Welcome to Leading Lights. You're about to hear a message from Lighthouse Church in Jersey. Isn't God good? God is awesome. If you're visiting with us today, I just want to tell you, we're a bunch of people. I was just a normal person. I was lost. I was going my own way. And God found me, changed my life around. And now I'm passionate about God and telling other people about Him. And many of us in this place are the same. We are just normal, everyday people. We're not holy, I promise you. If you could see my life, you would realize I'm just a normal guy. There's nothing fancy about me. And all of us are just normal people. But God is doing awesome things in our midst. And if you want to join us, we would love to have you come along for the ride. I just want to say that we are trying our best, not perfectly, we make mistakes all the time, but we're trying our best to model church on the Bible and more specifically on the book of Acts. The book of Acts is a a story, an account of what the early church was like if you want to know what is Lighthouse supposed to be, what are you guys trying to be like? What's your model? What's your constitution? Where are you going? Just read the book of Acts. We want to be like the book of Acts. And if you come to me and you say, the book of Acts says they did this, this, and this. Why aren't we? I will probably say to you, you're right. Let's do that. We are not trying to impose our ideas or historical ideas or traditional church on the Bible. We are saying the Bible is true. We must change our lives to agree with it. Amen? Now that's challenging. That is challenging. And we've been looking at this period of time after Jesus died. You know, Easter has just gone a few weeks ago. So we looked at Jesus' death, then he rose again. And then for 40 days, the Bible says that he showed himself to people and he he taught them. And then he went back up to heaven, and 10 days after he ascended to heaven, the Holy Spirit was poured out on Pentecost, which in the church calendar is two Sundays' time, on the 15th of May. And after that, the church just, I mean, it went viral. It, there was just the influence of God in the planet Earth was even greater than when Jesus was walking around on planet Earth. After the Holy Spirit was given to the church... At Pentecost, the effect on the world was so great that you and I are still feeling the shockwaves of that. And we are probably believers because of what happened there. And now this is it. This is the crux of it. My desire, my prayer. I've been crying out to the Lord and saying, Lord, make us here today like they were in the book of Acts. The Holy Spirit was poured out. And they were changed. Let us be the same. Let us not just be religious Christians who go through the motions, attend week after week, and make no impact on the world, and God makes hardly any impact on us. No, Lord. Let us not be like that. Amen? If you want that, this is a place for you. If you don't want that, this is probably not the place for you, and that's okay. That's really okay. We bless people who come and check us out and then say, no, I'm going somewhere else. We say, that's fine. We don't speak badly of you, and we ask you not to speak badly of us. Amen. So Acts chapter 1. I wonder... Yeah. I think, I think many of us are in that same place. We want what God wants. We want what the Bible says. We're hungry for something real. We've seen, we've seen human religion, but now we want God's, God's thing. So, Acts chapter 1, verse 1. The former account I made, O Theophilus, 
That word Theophilus means God lover. Um, Luke was writing his book to a man called Theophilus and telling him about things. And if you love God, this book's written to you. The former account I made, oh, you who love God, of all that Jesus began both to do and to teach until the day in which he was taken up. You know, Jesus only began his ministry when he was on earth. It's still continuing today. Thanks for that resounding response. That was awesome. (laughs) I'm blown away. After he, through the Holy Spirit, had given commandments to the apostles whom he had chosen, to whom he also presented himself alive after his suffering by many infallible proofs, being seen by them during 40 days, and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. I'm going to come back to this, but I would like you to please just make a mental note that in those 40 days when Jesus rose again and he was walking around and talking to his disciples, it says he spoke about the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. And we know that Jesus in his earthly life on earth also just spoke about the kingdom of God. Did you know that? That was about all he ever spoke about. I'll I'll read some verses about that in a minute just to show it to you. But the kingdom of God was the message. John the Baptist's message. Jesus' message. The disciples' message. The 70 message. The, Philip, the evangelist's message. Paul, the apostle. Everyone, they summed up their message as the kingdom of God. And yet if, I believe if I asked Christians today, if I took a poll of 100 Christians, and I said, what is the message of the kingdom of God? We would scratch our heads. We would give some kind of, blah, 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 we don't really know. And yet that was the message. There might be a reason why we today don't have the results the early church had is because we don't preach the kingdom of God like they preached it. Maybe. Let's read on. Verse 4. And being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father. I love that word, the promise of the Father. It's like... God the Father has made a promise. It's a gift that He's going to give. And you don't have to do anything to deserve it. Daddy has promised us a Christmas present. And we just have to be excited and wait for it. We don't have to earn it. It's not because we're good. It's a promise that He's promised to us. And He's promised to you and I as well. Which He said, you have heard heard from me. For John truly baptized with water. That word baptized means dunked and immersed and submerged and covered and just comp- it's the word when a, a piece of cloth is plunged into dye to be changed it to a different color. That's that same word, baptizo. It means completely submerged and the whole color infiltrates you. John baptized people with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Wow, you can imagine the disciples' minds and their eyes just lighting up and they're thinking, wow. Baptized with the Holy Spirit, the ho- God, the Holy Spirit, me filled with Him and, and covered with Him. What a thought. Verse 6, therefore, when they had come together, they asked Him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? Now, he'd been talking for three years in his earthly ministry about the kingdom of God. And he'd made it clear that it was a spiritual kingdom. You know, in Luke 17, verse 20, the Pharisees came to him and they said, when is the kingdom of God going to come? 
Because Jesus just spoke about the kingdom of God all the time. So the Pharisees, Luke 17, verse 20, they come to him, they say, when is the kingdom of God going to come? Jesus said, the kingdom of God does not come with observance. It's not something you see with your eyes. He says, you can't say, look here or look there for the kingdom of God, because the kingdom of God is within you. And this Pharisee said, whoa. And then a couple of chapters later, Luke 19, verse 10, some people were saying, the kingdom of God is about to come. It's about to happen. And he told a parable about a king going away for a long time and leaving gifts for his servants to use. And they were to use them. And then he came back at the end and checked what they'd done. So they thought the kingdom of God, you know, if you go to a Jewish, a religious Jewish person today and you say to them, uh, a, a religious rabbi, you say, the Messiah, Je Yeshua, has already come. Messiah has already come. You know what they will say to you? This is a very common response. They walk to the window of their house, they open the window, they look around outside, and they say, everything is the same as it was, therefore he has not come. Because their understanding is, the kingdom of God is the time when all the wrongs of the past are put right. Where there's sickness, it's changed to life and health. Where there's death, it's changed to eternity and life. Where there's pain, misrule, uh, inequality, injustice, it's put right because Messiah is the king who rules righteously. And when he comes, it's heaven on earth. And so they look out the window, they say, heaven's not on earth, Messiah hasn't come. And the, the Pharisees thought that and they asked Jesus in Luke 17, and he said, it's within you. And the disciples in Acts chapter 1 still thought that, even though he'd been teaching them about the kingdom for three years and then again for this 40 days, saying the kingdom of God, the kingdom of God, the kingdom of God, they still said to him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? They still thought it was a political issue. They thought suddenly Rome is not going to rule Israel anymore. Jesus is going to rule Israel. And us 12 disciples are going to be kind of like his co-regents. And wow, we're going to, we're going to have plush government offices and a secretary and a whatever chariot, Rolls Royce chariot or whatever they had in those days. So are, we, are you going to restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, you know, I love Jesus' answer. He doesn't say, no, you stupid disciples. He says, Verse 7, it is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father has set in His own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come on you, and you will be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. He doesn't say it, it is not about physical things at all, but he says don't worry about the physical, the pol political, the trying to, trying to set things right in a physical way. You worry about preaching the gospel and extending my kingdom spiritually and that other stuff will take care of itself. And this is an important thing. You know, there's a lot of cultural Christians, especially, and I don't want to be horrible to our brothers and sisters in America, but it's very easy for Christianity to get confused with politics. And that's what happens. A lot of Christians think, my Christianity is I must set politics straight. Jesus said, no, that's not it. You preach the gospel. You know, when Paul was preaching and writing his letters and, and planting churches, Claudius was the emperor of Rome, and then after him was Nero. They were the worst 
emperors you could imagine. They used to put Christians on the top of wooden poles and light them on fire to be streetlights. They were the worst leaders in, ever. And Paul never ever says, let's get overthrow the Romans and get social equality. He says, obey, submit to them, but preach the gospel. Because when people's hearts are changed, all those human structures just will change. If you try and change human structures without the heart being changed, you've just got some different structures. It's not the answer. So Jesus says, don't worry about that stuff. You're going to get power, a, a, an otherworldly power from heaven coming into you, and it'll make you witnesses, and you will extend my kingdom, but it's not through the, the strong arm of force or armies or politics or or human ways, it's through preaching the gospel and getting people saved and healed. Amen. Amen. So let me show you what Jesus, let, let me just quickly go through the kingdom of God preaching. So John the Baptist, John the Baptist was the first one. Matthew 3 verse 2, John the Baptist came saying, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. John the Baptist's message was the kingdom of heaven. Jesus, Matthew 4, 23. Jesus went about all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing all kinds of sicknesses, diseases among the people. And that's just one verse I picked. There are many verses where it talks about Jesus preaching the gospel of the kingdom. Many. I could have listed many. Luke 9, verse 2. This is the 12 disciples. He sent them out to preach the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. Matthew 10, verse 7, as you go, he's talking to the disciples, preach saying, the kingdom of heaven is at hand, heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out demons, freely you have received, freely give. I want you to notice that it wasn't just preaching the gospel of the kingdom, it was practicing it. In other words, they were saying there's a new king, Jesus, and he's come to depose the old king, the bad king, the devil. But then he says, as you go say, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And while you're saying that, heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out demons. In other words, it's not enough just to say it, you've got to practice it. You've got to show people there's a new king. Where the old king has caused sickness, disease, demonic oppression, uh, poverty, uh, problems with thinking, sort it out. Okay, so that's the disciples. What about the 70? When he sent out 70, Luke 10. After these things, the Lord appointed 70, sent them out. Um, verse 9, and he said, heal the sick and say to them, the kingdom of God has come near to you. Are you noticing? They all had the same message. Let's go on. Philip in Acts chapter 8, you know, Philip was one of the seven kind of administrative helpers in the church. And he then got kicked out of Jerusalem and he went to a place called Samaria and he started telling them about Jesus. Acts 8 verse 12. When they believed Philip as he preached the things concerning the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, both men and women were baptized. Philip was preaching the kingdom of God. If I said to you, what does the church preach today? What is the message? Many of us would have summaries of what the church is preaching or what the summary of the gospel is, but for all of these people... The summary of it was the kingdom of God. And I believe we've fallen woefully short of that. If we're going to become a church like they were, we need to start preaching the kingdom of God like they did. What about Paul? 
Acts 19 verse 8, he went into the synagogue and spoke boldly for three months, reasoning and persuading concerning the things of the kingdom of God. Acts 20 verse 25, Paul says, Indeed, now I know that you all among whom I have gone about preaching the kingdom of God will see my face no more. Acts 28 verse 23, So when they had appointed him a day, many came to him at his lodging, this is talking about Paul, and he explained and solemnly testified to the kingdom of God persuading them concerning Jesus. And then my last verse is Matthew 24, 14, talking about us. It says, This gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all the nations, and then the end will come. The sign that the end of the world's going to come is when the gospel of the kingdom has been preached to every nation and tribal group. So what is the gospel of the kingdom? Do you know? Do I know? I hope I know. I'm trying to know. Let me just say, I'm not perfect. I'm doing my best to find out. And if you can help me understand, I'd love to hear from you. And I'm going to try and explain a bit of it today. We're talking about being in between two things. And today I want to talk about being in between two kingdoms. Is that okay? You know what it's like to be in between two kingdoms? You know that in America... The presidential election happens in early November, but the new president, even though he was elected in early November, he only gets sworn in at the end of January. And so for about two and a half months, there's this period when effectively there's no president. Did you know that? You didn't know that. Isn't that weird? And in some cases, it's caused problems. You know, the Civil War, Abraham Lincoln was elected president, but there was a four-month period before he was inaugurated, and the American Civil War happened in that four-month period because there was no one governing. Uh Uh-oh. 1933, the Great Depression, there was a four-month period with no president, and the economy of America stalled, and the Great Depression was made so much worse because they didn't have a government. They were between two kingdoms. You know, I was born in Zimbabwe. And I was born into a civil war. I was born into a nation where there was a government and the majority of their people said this is an unjust government and there was a war going on. And I didn't know that there was a war. It slowly dawned on me as I grew up. And by the time I was 11 years old, the war came to an end. And we had a democratic government elected. But for 11 years of my life, I was living in a civil war and I didn't know it. And I thought it was normal for there to be bombs and mortars and fear of being killed and um, radio broadcasts about soldiers getting killed and all this weird stuff that went on in our lives. I thought that's just normal life and I was unprepared. And I remember in my early teenage years and late teenage years learning the truth of what had happened in my country and feeling so unhappy and saying, why did nobody explain this to me? That there was this injustice going, why did nobody tell me about that? Can I say to you, my friend, you are living between two kingdoms, the Bible teaches, the kingdom of the devil and the kingdom of Jesus. There's this weird in-between time that we're living in and Jesus talks about it a lot And I'm I'm going to explain it a bit more today. But just to say that if you are not aware of that, you are going to struggle so much in your Christian life. 
If you're not aware that you're in the civil war, nothing will make sense to you. You know, today is May the 1st. It is? It is. In nine days' time, we're living in Jersey and the Channel Islands. In nine days' time, we celebrate the fact that it's been 71 years since we were liberated from the Nazi occupation. 71 years ago. I want you to imagine with me what it was like 71 years ago. There's nine days until we're about to be liberated. What's it like? Some of you in this room actually might have been alive at that time. Is there anyone who was alive? There we go, Pam. Praise the Lord, Pam. I want you to imagine what it was like. Just bear with me as I go through this. So, in June 1940, this is five years before the end of the war. In June 1940, you know, in December of, the, of 1939, World War II had started, but Jersey was putting out adverts saying, Jersey, the perfect summer holiday destination during the war. And by that summer, we were occupied. Isn't that amazing? June the 19th, 1940, suddenly the news comes out, imminent invasion. We thought, Jersey people thought the war was in Europe. It's, far, it's not going to touch us. We're going to be invaded. Germans are going to come and invade our country. You've got to decide now, are you wanting to be evacuated or are you wanting to stay? And only 5,000 Jersey people got evacuated. In Alderney, it was the whole, po the whole population went. There was nobody left. In Guernsey, it was half of them went. In Jersey, it was only a small number. 5,000 went. But they had to make this decision. And then they went, and within hours of them being evacuated, the Germans had landed. It's a foreign force. They come in with a different language. They come in imposing. You know the first thing they did? Cut the telephone lines to England. You cannot talk to England anymore. Impose German in the schools. We're going to drive on the right-hand side. We will drive on the right-hand side of the road. <laughs> we will take your cars. We will take your radios because then you could hear what was going on in the rest of the world. And they were oppressed. And then four years later, in June 1944, after four years of occupation and oppression, a few people had radio sets and they're listening to the, to the news and they're hearing there's something going on. The Germans have been kicked out of North Africa. The Germans have been kicked out of Russia. There's, there's a feeling like something's happening. And in the Old Testament, just before Jesus, you know, between Malachi and Matthew, there's 400 years of silence. It's because the devil took away the radio sets. There was a famine of hearing the word of the Lord. And nobody knew, but there was the sense, Messiah is coming. There's deliverance. We're going to get set free. And then in June 1944, a few people who had radio sets, the prophets who are hearing the word of the Lord, say, we've heard. We're going to, the allies are going to get back into Europe. They're going to invade any time now. And Jersey is not many miles from where they landed in Normandy. And the people in Jersey heard it happening. They heard the airplanes going over. And they, realized, they could see the lights in the sky at night. And they, something's happening. And then they got news through the, radio, through the radio sets. We've taken back the beaches in Normandy. We, we, the war is as good as won. We're back in Europe and we're on the march forward. And the, the enemy... Are, is withdrawing 
But you know what? It was 11 months before we were set free in Jersey. Just across the channel there, 15 miles away, they were free. Freedom had come. But it was 11 months here where we were free, but we were not yet free. We were in between two kingdoms. Are you seeing this? And you know what? Things got worse. Because the supply lines from the German army in, in France were cut off. So there was no food coming from the Germans. And there was no food coming from the Brits either. So we got no food. Things get worse. But you know what? We're okay because we know it's not going to last forever. And then a, a supply ship, the SS Vega, comes in with food from New Zealand and Canada. And we get food parcels. Yay! We, we're being helped. The Lord is giving us supplies. It reminds me of Revelation 12. Have you read Revelation 12? Revelation 12. I'm not going to read it all. Actually, I might. Now a great sign appeared in heaven. A woman clothed with the sun, with the moon under her feet, and on her head a garland of 12 stars. Then being with child, she cried out in labor and in pain to give birth. And another sign appeared in heaven. Behold, a great fiery dragon having seven heads and ten horns and seven diadems on his heads. His tail drew a third of the stars of heaven and threw them to the earth. And the dragon stood before the woman who was ready to give birth to devour her child as soon as it was born. She bore a male child who was to rule all the nations with a rod of iron, and her child was caught up to God in his throne. Then the woman fled into the wilderness where she has a place prepared by God that they should feed her there 1,260 days. And war broke out in heaven. Michael and his angels fought with the dragon, and the dragon and his angels fought, but they did not prevail, nor was a place found for them in heaven any longer. So the great dragon was cast out, that serpent of old called the devil and Satan, who deceives the whole world. He was cast to the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. Then I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ have come for the accuser of our brethren who accused them before our God day and night has been cast down and we and they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony and they did not love their lives to the death therefore rejoice O heavens and you who dwell in them but woe to the inhabitants of the earth and the sea for the devil has come down to you having great wrath because he knows that he has a short time Revelation 12 says when Jesus died on the cross and went back to heaven, it was only then that he kicked the devil out of heaven. Now, I don't have time to explain that in too much detail. I know many of you are confused. You think the devil was kicked out earlier, wasn't he? But he got back in because Adam gave him the keys to planet earth. And so the devil got back. But when Jesus died on the cross, he kicked the devil out. And it says, now the kingdom of our God has come. Jesus has won the battle. He's defeated the devil. Hallelujah. Rejoice, O you heavens. But on the earth, watch out. The devil knows he's only got a short time. There's only 11 months between D-Day and Liberation Day. And it's going to be hard. But you know what? We're between two kingdoms. But we have the victory. We overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. I hope this helps you because you might be a Christian who is continually confused. I thought God was the king of the universe. Why is the devil still able to do what he wants to do in the earth? Why is there 
evil and, and suffering and horrible people. And just like those Jewish rabbis, you look out the window, you say, the world's a mess. I thought Jesus had come. I thought we had a new kingdom. He's won the victory. And Liberation Day is very, very close. He's going to come back and he's going to put all things right. He's going to reign on earth and it'll be a perfect world. But until then, please hear me. The enemy is still running around. We have the victory. If you get the Holy Spirit in you, which is why Jesus said, don't go out and fight until you've been filled and given power from on high. But if you have heaven inside of you, you can win every time you come up against the enemy. But there is still a big battle going on all around us. You could get discouraged. You could think, oh, it's never going to end. The world's such a mess. I'm so confused. It doesn't make sense. Friend, it makes sense if you realize you've been born into a civil war. There was a bad king called the devil. There's a new king called Jesus. He showed what the kingdom of God was like by showing us what heaven is like on earth, healing and saving people. But he says, do business until I come again. I'm coming. I'm coming soon. Liberation Day is just around the corner. Get filled with the Spirit. Get heaven inside of you and be one of my soldiers who's extending the kingdom. But hold on. If you get this right understanding in your mind, you can put up with it. In fact, the Bible says we are more than conquerors through Him who loved us. It says He always leads us in triumphal procession. In the midst of being surrounded by the enemy, we are in triumphal procession. But we realize there's a battle. Can I be honest with you? My, one of my best friends was a pastor who planted a church. And six months into the church plant, he was murdered. And I was fairly new as a Christian. And, and this little church, there were only about 30 of us. We were so confused. We said, Lord, we thought it was your will to have this new church. We, Lord, we, we were doing your work. We thought you would protect us. Lord, how can this be your will for him to be murdered? And you know what the Lord taught me over a period of months? He said, we're in a battle, my son. We're in a fight. And you might lose the odd little skirmish, but we're winning the war and Liberation Day is very close. I can use even the evil for good, but understand, if you don't realize you're in a battle, you will be so confused and you will struggle so much as a Christian. And that makes us so reliant on the Holy Spirit. When we realize there's an enemy, he's still running around and he's angry because he knows the time is very, very short. But then we realize I've got the Spirit within me and it makes me reliant on the Holy Spirit. Because without him, I cannot fight this devil. But with him, I'm more than a conqueror. So folks, we've only got a couple of weeks till Pentecost and then a couple of weeks after that till the camp. And I feel like the Lord has said to me, May, not just the 15th of May, but the whole of May is Pentecost month for this church. There's two words that the Lord has given me. That word and the second one is repentance. He said to me, repentance is what's going to happen in my body. Not just here, but all, all over the place. Repentance is happening. And repentance simply means my eyes are open and I say, whoa, I've thought wrong, I've acted wrong, I'm changing and I'm going God's way. And His power floods in. That's going to happen this month. I pray that we all 
go there. I really do. Because I think what we saw in the book of Acts, we could very well see in our, in our midst. We could see lots of people getting filled with the Holy Spirit and miracles and speaking in other languages and healings happening. People going out and witnessing, not just expecting the minister to do it, but they go out and start leading others to Christ and praying for healing and seeing them getting healed and, and people, lots of new Christians coming in and it gets a bit messy sometimes, but it's exciting. That's what I think can happen and is happening actually. When you consider the fact that 70 people have joined our church in nine months. That's significant. That's significant. And it's just going to, I believe it's going to get more. But we've got we to take this as our blueprint. Amen. Thanks for listening. Please visit leadinglightsnetwork.com for more resources and subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. Please consider supporting this ministry financially by making a donation on the giving page of leadinglightsnetwork.com or lighthousejersey.com.